0: Teachers, it's the thing we do on Fridays with me brother Lawson and brother Wing Brother Wing it's nice to have you with me for this uh this podcast that I present every week I I'm, I'm glad that you've decided to join me today
1: Thanks for having me as a guest on yeah. your program
0: You're always welcome on my pro- on my program That's what this <laughs> is really it's a program So uh podcast program Um well, teachers, it's February, and you know what President Packer, Elder Boyd K. Packer says about February? It's the best month to teach seminary, I think is what he said. And he said that's when it's, the students are so excited the most, and they're just their heads are just popping off the pillow in the morning, and they're skipping all the way to your, to your seminary class in the morning. I believe, I mean, that's not an exact quote, but isn't that what it says in that, that old classic book, Teach, teach You Diligently?
1: Yeah. Yeah. February can be a little bit of a challenge.
0: Oh, that's what it was. I just got yeah. that reversed. Yeah. 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 But you know what? I'll tell you what, if you're a rookie seminary teacher, this is your first year. Like when you hit March 1st, if you're struggling right now and you just, you feel like you're like walking through molasses, um, March will come and uh, the birds will start singing the sun. It won't be as dark in the morning. And, and great things are on the way. Luckily, we have some pretty great chapters in the uh, in the New Testament this week that we get to to teach. And so that makes the day a little bit sunnier and more brighter. Um, I had actually I had
1: a colleague that um once this was years ago, but he uh-huh. he was talking about how hard it is to teach seminary in February. yeah, and he said that he went home one one time and told his wife, he was like, "I don't know if I can keep doing this." Like, I think I need to maybe look for different employment. I can't keep teaching seminary. Like, it's just so hard. And she goes, she unsympathetically says to him, oh, drop it. She goes, you say this every February. <laughs> and he was like, I do, you know? And she was like, Yeah, you do. And so then he realized the pattern. And then he was like, okay, I'll just tough it out through February.
0: March is coming. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Brother way I'm going to put you on the spot. Give the teachers one random teaching tip. Just any teaching, the first one that comes to your mind, something that uh would help teachers improve in the classroom. Give me one. Okay. So
1: you really want your students to ask questions in oh, class. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, one idea, and you can uh, you can do this with any block of scripture. So maybe on that day where you can't think of a way to start or introduce scripture feasting, here's here's what you do: you talk to them about how the scriptures provide answers, and that's one of the wonderful miracles of scriptures that we can find answers there. But today, students, we are going to try to find questions. Yeah. And so, go into the text, and you just think of all the important even if they're little important or big important, but all of the types of questions that you can ask from this particular block of scripture. So it might be like, what does this word mean? Or why did he say it that way? But it could be something more significant, even like, how does this apply to me? Or how does this apply to this specific situation? Or um, why is this important? How does this testify of Christ? Those are all kinds of those kinds of questions. Let the students find them. And they're just going into a text, spend about four or five minutes. They write down as many questions as they can about the text that they read. And perhaps that would get them going and activated in the text. And then you can start then, then after they've identified all these questions, then you spend some time in class to answer the questions that they came up with. There's
0: an idea. Beautiful. I love, you know, that reminds me of is, uh, elder. Do you remember elder J E Jensen? Mm Mm-hmm he was general authority. I was like best friends with his son and I didn't know his dad was a general authority. Like, I mean, we were just kids and stuff. Anyway. So he also was a a seminary teacher guy for a while. Um, But he said that he said, one of the best advice he ever got was from a seminary teacher who told him to start putting question marks in the verses and where there's periods. And so like, as you were, as you were sharing that example, we could try that out in verse one of Matthew chapter five, like check this out uh, and seeing the multitudes and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. This is Jesus. This is right before he preaches a sermon on the Mount. He went up into a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So you could, you put some question marks in there. Like, Hey, why did his disciples come to him? Or what does it mean that he was set? And so just right off the bat, I asked two questions that if I sat around and pondered a little bit on, then maybe there'd be some insight and some revelation that would come to me just because I'm interested in asking a question. Why do you go on a mountain to do this? Why is it a sermon on the mountain instead of a sermon on the beach or something like that? Right. Mm-hmm. I like maybe that. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Well, see, well, it was all because of your fantastic idea. But let's talk about this, teacher. So your very first day, a Monday According to our pacing guide, and again, remember, our pacing guide is, is a suggestion, uh, is Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And these are some fantastic verses, oftentimes called the the um, the Beatitudes, because the word beautiful or something that comes from a Latin word, what is that whole story? Is it our blessed? The, it's in the footnotes. <laughs> it's in the footnotes for yeah. number three, verse three or something like that. Beatus. Be, be, I think that's pronounced exactly like that. Beatus. Or it's pronounced beat us. Beat so, us. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I can see some uh, early morning seminary student reading that footnote. The Latin beat us. They did? When did they beat us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So it means to be fortunate or to be happy or to be blessed.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so we have a whole bunch of really cool thing, really cool statements or, or uh, blessings that come uh, from these great attitudes to have. One of the things that's really cool about this section of scriptures is the footnotes. Right. So. Phrases like poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger, righteousness, all of those have really great footnotes that if your students click on or if they look them up, they can they can receive extra revelation of what that means. So blessed are the poor in spirit. I wonder what poor in spirit means. Oh, what poor in pride, humble in spirit, right? Um, I think that that might be a good day part of Scripture feasting to say, you know what, today we're just going to look at footnotes. And I want you to read verses one through 12, take about eight to 10 minutes and just read every single footnote between one through 12 and be prepared to share us, share with us your experience reading those footnotes. What did you learn or understand? uh, Or what did you learn or understand from the mouth of the savior? As you studied the footnotes to what he said.
1: Mm, I like that idea. And that would be some great feasting um, on the scriptures. I have a, a variation of that idea. Let's hear it. So um, one thing that I think is great for the students to learn about is to go into the text and then not just read it or learn from it, but start to kind of personally uh, feel, feel something with it, like interact with it. And so one way that can kind of tutor them in this process is here. This is a great opportunity. In fact, because you go from verses three through 10, we'll say, and you can say, look, go through here, read these statements, but there, the Jesus is talking about a lot of different things. And so, but you pick the one that feels like that's the one for you. Like, which one probably does God want you to focus on right now? And that gives the students an opportunity to now have a personal experience. I'm not saying we, and you're not, you're not going to promise this to the students that God will prompt them in one way or another, but just kind of leave the door open. And, and whether he prompts you or not, you're you're still going to pick one of these that you want to focus on. But, but I could, you know, if I, as I've gone through here, I could be like, you know, what, I, I got one that just kind of popped out to me. And I was like, maybe there's a reason for that. And so Whichever one it is, students, that you pick, and for whatever reason that you pick it, now go into the footnotes, go to the, especially where it says topical guide, and then go look up, learn more about that. So if, for example, the one you picked was verse five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now go learn about meekness and mm-hmm. from other scriptures. And you'll do that by hitting the footnote, topical guide meekness, and then and then have a little few minutes to study what, Um, what we can learn about meekness in the standard works and then come back and teach us. And so that's one way to do it. If you want to make it a little more, dare I say, fun, you could have them give them a piece of paper or a whiteboard or give them a portion of the, of the main whiteboard at the front of class and let them draw or they could write out the beatitude and then decorate it in some way, Mm -hmm. but they could then take some notes or, some bullet points about things that they learned about it. So then they could kind of present, um, on each one. And, you know, if you had a class of 10 or 12 people well, that, you know, they or eight or nine, <laughs> you could have them take one each, but, um, anyway, that could be a way that they could study on these, pick the one that they feel like is the right one for them. And then they could, then they could take a couple minutes to teach each other
0: good idea i like that <clears throat> i think there's just a lot of phrases again you guys hear me say this a lot but sometimes in the scriptures there's a lot of phrases that i think sometimes i might assume that i know exactly what that means but when i take some time to to study that particular word or phrase new insights come up just i was just looking as you were talking i was looking at verse 12 uh when jesus says for great you know rejoice and be exceedingly glad, glad for great is your reward in heaven well i've I've always, you know, I, I was thinking, well, heaven is kind of a reward, isn't it? Just being in heaven, but there's a reward for me in heaven. I wonder what that reward is. Well, I can think about a few that I know exist in heaven, but, um, uh, you know, being sealed together as a family, things like that. So I think that that uh, there's some great opportunities in the Beatitudes here in the Sermon on the Mount to dig into some of those words. And like you say, take some notes on them. The next day we have Matthew 5, 13 through 16. That's, we could call them the "years." Uh, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Again, some phrases there that uh, that that we, we say all the time, but maybe it'd be great to take, take a moment and think about that. I was thinking about, it might be interesting just with verse 13 to tell your students, say, all right, Jesus calls his followers the salt of the earth. Salt in his day was used as a preservative and a flavor enhancer. So tell me what he's saying in verse 13. and just let them just uh, wonder about that, that um, symbol that Jesus is using. Why would Jesus refer to these people on this mountain as the light of the world? And of you know of all the of all the comparisons he's making, he's, he's calling them salt and he's calling them light. So what are we what are we doing here? What are we trying to understand? And just let them struggle with that. Be might, might be interesting to see what they come up with. Again, you're not looking. You, you never want to be. Here's a little teaching tip. You never want to be. What does Elder Bednar uh, say? Um, playing the game. Guess what's in my head? Uh, Elder Bednar said when we play that game, it, when we're teaching the gospel, the spirit is rarely present. Right. So let your students just ponder and don't have like, oh, here's what the actual answer is to what Jesus meant when he said, you're the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Let them wrestle with it and think about it a little bit. What do you yeah. think for the for those four verses?
1: Yeah, I was thinking that in these verses, because it's it's you got a hand. I mean, really, what is it? Four verses for the whole yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. And you're
0: doing them again the next day for doctoral, <laughs> mastery. <laughs> doctoral
1: mastery the next day. But I was thinking that having students imagine at the beginning of class like that they when they were in the pre-mortal existence, you know? And just I, I remember, remember it, well. it but yeah, but you can imagine what it was like and, and pretend at least for just a minute that the Lord's like, hey, you're going down to the earth at a time when things are rough. Like it's kind of spiritually, there are some major issues going on. A lot of people are in darkness. A lot of people are troubled and sad. And these are my children, you know? And so I'm going to send you down at a, at the right time, um, to do something here to, to bless the world. And, and then you're, you know, before you kind of jump into the chute to come down, you say,
0: (laughs) yeah, is that what that is? There's a chute.
1: Yeah. And then you're like, well, I, it's a little, I'm a little nervous about this. And and right before you leave, he's like, just remember Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Okay. So boom, and then yeah, off you go. So these are so how do these verses in more seriously said, how would these verses inspire us, yeah, to bless people around us, no matter who they are, friends, family, strangers, classmates, whatever. But How do these verses actually help us in our real world to do something for good in the world and, and then go into study them. So go real slow students, go phrase by phrase, go real slow and feast on these to find how they're going to help us today.
0: Yeah, just as you know, um, I love that going really slow just today, as I was studying these verses, I was looking at verse 16 and where it says, let your light so shine. And I just circled and highlighted and thought about for, a good while, the word your, let your light so shine before me. And so that's a word that I've never thought about before in that verse, but I had some pretty cool insights come into my mind as I uh, thought about that, all because I read slowly and carefully, which sometimes seminary students are not want to do. They're, they're wanting to get through pretty quick. Yeah, I, I was thinking slowly and
1: carefully. I got that verse, you know, to say, you let your light shine So that others can glorify God, like the, Mm -hmm. like they're going to see you, but that it's not like you're letting your light shine to brag or boast or claim like you're better than or anything like that, or to, or even to impress, like they might be impressed, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is I'm not hiding anything good here because I want, because I want them to glorify God. My purpose is to glorify God.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Okay, we got a doctrinal mastery day with those same verses. Um, that's on Wednesday. Uh, then we've got the we've got seventeen through the rest. Is that forty-seven? Go well, no. There's yeah, one. yeah. Because yeah. we got one verse left for Friday. So
1: I'll I'll say here, it could be that when you look over the content with Matthew five thirteen through sixteen and the doctrinal mastery yeah. on Wednesday. If you want to combine those for Tuesday, you could, and then you would have some flexibility with this Matthew 5, 17 to 47 part. You may find that you want right. to go Matthew 17 to 20. This is how I would have done it. Matthew right. 5, 17 to 26 on Wednesday, and then Matthew 5, 27 to 47 on Thursday, because then you can kind of talk more about some of the content in those all depends on what you feel like is best for your students. Right.
0: Well, so in those verses um I think let's talk about this first. I want to talk about the I brother wing and I did about a total of 5 seconds of preparation for this uh podcast. I know you're like, "Oh, really? We couldn't tell." Well, 5 um, seconds
1: together. But so,
0: <laughs> 5 <laughs> seconds together. But there is one verse that I don't know. Maybe I'm blind, Brother Wing, but there's not a lot of commentary on Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-two. Like, I did a quick check of the teacher's manual. There's not much there. I did a check of the institute manual. Not there. Check of doctrinal New Testament commentary by Bruce R. McConkie. Not there. And so, um, but there was a talk by President Oaks in 2007 that was there. And I think this is this is a important verse to help your students understand if they run into it, then you can just have this in your back pocket, right? So the scripture reads like this, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, or in other words, divorce his wife, saving or except for the cause of fornication. uh, So if you divorce your wife for any reason, except for fornication, causeth her to commit adultery and whoso shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. That sounds kind of strange. Luckily, President Oaks clarified this in 2007, and I'm sure that's been clarified other places too. But my quick search found this: Um, 2007 conference. President Oaks said, "The Lord does not currently enforce the consequences of the celestial standard. He permits divorced persons to marry again without the stain of immorality specified in a higher law, unless a divorced person, a divorced member, has committed serious transgression." he or she can become eligible for a temple recommend under the same worthiness standards that apply to other members. So this is a standard in verse 32 that um, I'm not sure we would call it a higher or uh, maybe I I guess president Oaks calls it a celestial standard that uh, when we make a covenant, we keep that covenant. uh, But the Lord doesn't currently enforce the consequences, which means if a divorced person gets married again, they're guilty of adultery. That's not, that's not the case today. How's that for a clarification, brother wing?
1: I like that. That's a good study guide. And so for teachers, you know, if we, if a student has a question or there's a concern there, then that is a great
0: commentary. You see, that's what I was doing as I was reading the scriptures. I was thinking like, I wonder what questions my students might ask that I can be prepared to answer. And um, and I knew the answer to that. Like, I knew the answer to verse 32, but I was like, oh, who said that? So I had to do some reading because nobody believes me if I tell them the answer. But if President Oaks tells them the answer, then the, that's a divinely appointed source. I am I am not a great of a divinely appointed source as I'd like to think I am sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was good. That was good. good Excellent. All right. So uh how else would we there's some there are some great there's some great verses some great counsel in uh verses 17 through 27 i even thought about it as um imagining that it's just you and and the savior sitting on the mount and having him just talk to you about or just share these verses with you slowly And you have an opportunity to ask questions back to him. I think that, you know, similar to what we talked about at the beginning, like the verse 25, agree with the adversary quickly. Well, what does that really mean? What do I I have to agree? What if he's wrong? You know, and just let the students struggle and write questions down. They don't need to know all the answers. But having questions is a great uh, way to receive revelation. What else would you do here?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great idea to help them kind of imagine this and then start to kind of personally use it because you could warn them ahead of time. If they start reading in verse 17 and they just go, you can say, look, this is, he's going to be talking about things and using examples that mean nothing to us. You mm-hmm. know, like if you say into your brother, Raka, you know, that doesn't like, mean
0: oh, anything to you. Hey,
1: I've never called my brother Raka. So <laughs> I'm good to go. Right. I don't have brothers, <laughs> but, uh, So this is a, this is a way to say, look, so why don't you read through this and then start talking? Like, how can we use this? What's he really meaning? Imagine Jesus explaining what this means, because in verse 17, when he says, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets, I'm not come to destroy, but fulfill. Imagine that. He's really saying, let me, let me um, explain the point of all of this, you know, and the point is me you know i'm going to teach you about my character and so let me give you a few examples and illustrations to kind of go through this and some in some ways they're going to sound outward and but they're really to say how can i redeem or cleanse cleanse you help you to live a better life and uh, to follow me you know and so if the students go in with that kind of framework i think they'll be able to get more out of these illustrations where he's like, look you've this is kind of the old way of, or what people say. you know, you've heard it said, but here's a better way or a higher way to apply this, yeah, and you'll make progress, you know, thinking in terms of this way rather than only that other that old way. And then then as the students kind of identify these, you can discuss them a little bit. maybe maybe in this case you go part by part, you know, That they can, they can walk through and just do the part about killing and anger and stop, you know. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about this for a second, you know. And why is this better? And why would he say it like that? And how does this? How can we use this uh, today? Um, And what you know? How do we resist temptation here? And why would it be? Why would? Why would it be better to kind of just avoid anger altogether? Yeah. Um, And then go on to the next one. And so, by the way, the anger thing that you. That might take a whole discussion there or or the next one, when you talk about adultery and, and not lusting, or even if, or cutting off your right hand, we can talk more about this one, but this Mm -hmm. is all a really cool discussions that can be had with your students as you kind of say, okay, here's what Jesus said. Let's talk about what we think it means, um, and how we can use this, but he has example after example of contrasting the old way of thinking with a higher way of thinking And that same, those same battles or those same uh, uh, discussions are or uh, illustrations are happening today, just in with different details, yeah, with the same kind of stuff. And so this is very useful, very applicable, and and if students get into this, they can have a really good experience.
0: Yeah, I like the um, the very last few verses, forty what is it, forty three through forty seven. Like your students can dig into this because. All of them have had friend drama. Uh, In fact, all of them probably currently have friend drama, meaning there's you have students that are like they're wanting more friends. They don't have any friends that or their friend is being a jerk or their friends saying some bad things about them. You could just tell your students, hey, this is Jesus giving you counsel about your friends. What do you what do you learn about uh, friendship?" From verses 43 through 47. I love verse 47. This, your students will totally relate to this. If you salute your brethren only, what do you, you know, he's talking about loving everybody? He says, if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so so like you know, the kid in the hall that only says hi to his friends and only uh, you know, is is gonna keep his friends close and and not uh extend himself out to anybody else. That's who Jesus is talking about there. So, all right. On Friday, Brother Wing, last day, we have uh, teachers. I think that day you have eleven or twelve words uh, of of a verse. Uh, that day, Matthew five forty eight. Well, but what a doozy, right? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Man, that's so hard. Luckily, there's a Joseph Smith translation because that's way too hard. The Joseph Smith translation says, you're therefore commanded to be perfect. Oh, great. That makes it even, I mean, before it was just be therefore perfect. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll try. You're commanded to be perfect. Oh, geez. All right. So how do we uh, how do we do scripture feasting on 12, 12 words?
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is fun. I think that the students, you could have them say, interpret this the, the worst way possible, <laughs> like just to kind of emphasize, you know, so, okay, let's read the verse. We're going to do Read the whole lesson right here. Verse 48. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's, let's make up a false, a deliberately false meaning to this <laughs> and just to kind of expose like any kind of, you know, and, and then to clarify it if they need it. So then after they do that, these, you don't even need to comment on it. It is like, were they right or wrong with their, right. with their. with you say, okay, let's, let's learn something here. And so in the teacher manual, you've got a lot of statements. And so I don't know if you want to print these out or if you want to just display them on a screen or something like that, but there are, it says under the heading, understanding what it means to be perfect. And you've got a president, Nelson, elder Holland, elder Gong, all comment on this and will help them. And so then after they've kind of heard that commentary, um, essentially they're feasting, uh, a little bit of feasting there. They can then come back and say, okay, now give us a refine your interpretation. What's a good interpretation of what this what this actually means? Now that's not the whole lesson, but I think that's a that's a fantastic start. And now you've got something to chew on. Again, the footnotes are going to help you. Yeah, a lot with this. And I want to make other comment that kind of extends this from the lessons before where where he's going through illustrations such as you know the the anger and not killing or not murdering you know it's almost to say like jesus says look when you get angry with someone it's good that you stop on that road before it gets to murder isn't that awesome like well done good job <laughs>
0: good job you, you didn't know. kill him
1: but maybe you know like obviously it is way better to not even get on the road that leads to murder, you know, or leads to violence, Mm -hmm. you know? And so don't even get on the road. Like, and so how can we do that? Well, that's tough, you know, to just not even get on the road. And then the same thing with lust, obviously just don't even get on the road that leads to committing adultery or, um, and so here is an interesting thing because in the very last verse of the chapter, now it's like, what's the command like, are you going to be perfect on this earth? No. Like, are you going to be complete? On, um, You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. after we've understood what it means, you know, it doesn't mean that we're perfect in the sense that we have zero sin. Um, it just means that we're going to use this life to go towards that it's because we're, 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 we want to be completed or finished or fully right. developed. And so maybe the command here is stay on this road. Mm -hmm. rather than go on any of those other roads that lead to that would end up leading to really bad stuff that everybody agrees was is bad um and then do the harder thing which is don't even get on those roads well what road are you going to be on it's the road to perfection it's the road to being complete and so the command is stay on this path Mm -hmm. you know stay on this road you're not finished you're not done you're going to make mistakes uh but just stay on this road of of repentance, which leads to perfection.
0: Right. I like that. I like thinking about commandments. This thought came to me a while ago, the commandments are invitations uh, from our heavenly father to live his kind of life. Uh, And so this commandment or this invitation to be complete is, is just what a wonderful, merciful, loving invitation uh, from a savior, someone who, uh will save us. All right. One more thing. Anything
1: else? What I you have got? some extra time if it's only one verse, like even mm-hmm. if you feel like you end up having extra time with Matthew 548 on Friday. It's a perfect thing at the end of the week after you've studied this whole chapter to then go to the to have the students say, okay, now let's let's stay on this road of perfection. What's mm-hmm. the next step on this road for you? Well, maybe go back through the first 47 verses. Of Matthew five, just kind of skim over there. That's a good idea. And what's something that you feel impressed to act on, like to do something? And if you'll do that in your life outside of class, like you just go do something different because of what you learned in Matthew five. Well, now you've taken a step down the road toward Mm -hmm. becoming more Christ-like or or being perfect. You know, so stay on that road.
0: Good idea, brother Wing. Teachers, we're praying for you. We're excited for you. We hope you have a great experience this week in the in the New Testament. You know, one of the things that I don't think we told the teachers, just because, I don't know why we didn't tell the teachers this, but Brother Wing and I actually do another podcast for our Institute students, and you can listen to it if you'd like. We go through uh, the content for, uh, just briefly go through some content for the Come Follow Me stuff. It's, our podcast is called Answers to Gospel Questions, and it's meant for uh, Institute students. Uh, and so it might be great for you to, to introduce, you might know some, uh, some students that uh, would be benefited from, from listening to something like that, maybe uh, some YSAs that aren't actively engaged in Institute right now. You could help kind of promote Institute a little bit. We promote uh, Institute on that, on that podcast as well. But if you search... On Apple or Spotify, uh, answers to gospel questions. Uh, you can listen to that, and it's it's pretty terrible. But I mean, we do our best, which is pretty terrible. So, <laughs> <Right on. laughs> if you if you hate this podcast, you'll really hate our other one. So, uh, that's that's about the biggest guarantee that we can give you. So, all right, teachers, we love your guts. Everybody, stay righteous.